Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com. Test one, two. Test one, two. There we are. There Can we are. Out here. Can you hear my existence? Yes, you're there. You are there. So here's the thing, Sam. Okay. I uh, was at the game on Friday, as you as you well know. I'm aware. And I was wearing my Jeremy Guthrie Orioles number 46 gray mm-hmm. jersey. Mm-hmm. Now, Which you got from a very sketchy Chinese website. Sure. Uh, $34. The price was right. Um, so I felt okay about it. At the moment, wearing that jersey at that at that point, sure, because I felt you know we were going to win the first two in Orioles Park at Camden Yards, and then there would be a mop up game against Jeremy Guthrie. Well, and you you were a person of empathy, and you were coming from a place where you appreciate um, a continuum of history. Yeah, and and deep. I mean, Jeremy Guthrie is unironically my favorite baseball player. Yeah, but now we're facing this very real situation where. We need to beat him to keep the season alive. Oh, oh! It doesn't get much more real. And than I feel it is. as though I have jinxed the entire operation. I think I think uh, that it would make me feel better if I could pin all of this on you. Uh huh. But I feel like that's way too much pressure to put on yourself. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think every little bit. No, every I, little bit. This I mean, maybe the thing that that t- twitch the entire series hangs in the balance here. I I think I look. I would rather blame it on you than I would on the fact that I think Darren O'Day has forgotten how to pitch. Nope. I would rather blame it on you than uh, the fact that I think uh, Zach Britton can't handle the pressure of the playoffs. But why are these things happening, Sam? They're, they're, they're happening because I wore the wrong jersey. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, I feel, that's, I feel that that's too easy. I think mm. the real reason is that I was not able to go to the game with you. Uh, well, I, that's, that's a big part of it, for I, sure. I blame... Uh, myself, actually, okay. all kidding aside, okay. uh, I'd like to get very serious. <laughs> this is my fault, and I would like to apologize. Yeah, because I, on Friday night for Game One of the American League Championship Series, instead of taking up the good fellows from Bird's Eye View Baltimore on their extremely generous offer to go to the game, which uh, I did, which you did, I uh, went instead to my mom's 65th birthday party, mm. and I lo- it's hard. To, it's hard to really hold against you. N- uh, well. Listen to me do it. I'm going to hold it against myself. Because here's the thing. I was I, I had been planning this 65th birthday party for months with my brother. There was no way I could still uh, remain in the will yes. and not go to this birthday party. Right. So the, there was, the stakes were high. Stakes was high, as De La Soul so eloquently put it. Uh, but the thing is, I was physically present right. at my mom's 65th birthday party. But mentally, but mentally, I was not there. Right. And conversations were being had and, uh, you know, warm encomiums of how great my mom is. And I want to say for the record, she is great. <laughs> it's not none of this has to do with any ill will towards her. It's just that there's a certain psychological reality, which is that I can't be present anywhere else right now. Right. Uh, and You're so, here whether you like it or not. 
by by going to my mom's 65th birthday party, I did my mom a disservice because I was sort of a nervous zombie the entire time. Mm-hmm. I did the Orioles a disservice because I was not engaging in all of my normal in-game uh, superstitions, touching my the brim of my hat several times every time I pull my phone out of my pocket to check the score uh, and various other things, which we won't go into because they're a little <laughs> embarrassing. Um, I wasn't doing those things either. So... Obviously, since it is a very precise, delicate balance of remotely provided uh, kinetic, superstitious energy that has sustained the team to this point, the fact that uh, either of us did anything to take that out of balance is is really the problem here. But the good news... Right. The good news is, Baltimoreans, we are here on what we're going to call episode 110, because... Why not? Yeah, I, I really don't see us getting another episode out this week, so we might as well. <laughs> we're back on Sam's couch. Yep. Where we should be. Where we belong. We're, we're ready to, we're ready to uh, do a live journal of Game 3 mm-hmm. of the ALCS. Yep. This is called backfilling what we should have said five minutes and 25 seconds ago. I think, I I think if go anyone was expecting <laughs> anything above the barest imitation of professional podcasting they would have been disappointed long ago but we're back where we should be and should have been the entire time we're sorry that we ever left but we're going to watch this game with you all and we're going to watch the orioles begin what is going to be a a seminal i'm going to say franchise defining comeback great that will uh uh finally shed the the horrors of losing records and we're going to do it Against Jeremy Guthrie. We are. To bring it back to the top here. We're going to do it against the man who in so many ways personifies those gutty but fundamentally flawed teams. Yeah. And it's going to be him. It's going to be Jeremy Guthrie in the end, which which his his self-destruction, I'm going to say in the fifth inning. Okay. His self-destruction in the fifth inning is going to be the thing that finally brings the Orioles back in this series and... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you. As on. Major League Baseball I'm gonna stop across you. the board. Your words are as pretty as your eyes, <laughs> but I know that you're lying. No, no, no. I know that you're lying because you are having a hard time right now. You're having a difficult time. Rec- and I know because you told me on Gchat. Sure, sure. So don't lie to the people. No, no, no. You're having a hard time right now reconciling the fact that you have to actively dislike Jeremy Guthrie tonight. See, here's the thing. I don't have to act. This is this is this is what I figured out since we were having that conversation oh. on the subway home. Okay. okay. I don't have to dislike him. I can continue to appreciate the very same thing that I appreciated about him before, which is his sacrificial lambness. <laughs> it is his ability to go out, be gutty, be a worthy opponent, and still and give ultimately up six lose runs in the fifth <laughs> inning. <laughs> And okay. ultimately lose, thus catapulting the Orioles back into where we need to be, down two to one, and back on track to win the series. All right, you've 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 brought me around to your side. You've brought me around to your side. I will I will also say that last night over a a club sandwich at the diner across the street at twelve thirty in the morning, I confidently predicted to Alan that we will win the American League Championship Series. Alan Smith guarantee we're going to win tonight. Great. All right. Great. That's as far as we're willing to take it here in the intro. Uh, we will be, as we did on our Clinchmas episode, checking in with you throughout the game. You can hear TBS in the background. Uh, and I, I, for one, would like to say I'm very happy Matt Vaskersian is broadcasting this game and not the creepy gnome voice guy who's like, <laughs> I'm the Royals of sending Jared Dyson in to pinch run. Who is that guy? I, I, I don't know. I'm glad he's not there. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to Cal Ripken attempting to practice studious detachment and hopefully <laughs> failing at some point. Come on, Cal. Yep. Show us you're not robot Cal. Anyway, uh, I'm also uh, excited to report that we have here with us in the studio uh, the world, Balt- well, Baltimoreans famous, which might as well be the world, <laughs> arbiter of good taste and, and all things quality, Jen Adams. How Hi are you this all. evening? Oh, I am ready for the O's. I want to say that uh, Jen is wearing a an a jersey uh, that says Mr. Jones on the back. Oh, it Dr. says Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones, excuse me. We agreed me. upon this. <laughs> <laughs> I judged it. You were there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so, uh, and that is amazing because uh, we went to the second to last game at Yankee Stadium featuring Derek Jeter. No, no, it was the third. No, it was the fourth to last, which is the pre-anti-penultimate game. The pre, right. Yes, there we go. There we go. And at this game, uh, which Orioles fans will know was a game between the Orioles and the Yankees, uh, Jen was wearing her Dr. Jones t-shirt and a temporary Yankees tattoo on her right bicep. (laughs) And left bicep. And left bicep, which caused no end of confusion (laughs) to the Bronx faithful. (laughs) I couldn't sleep that night. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she will be here to lend some confusion or perhaps uh, help resolve some confusion for us. Here we go. Guthrie uh, just mowed down the first three Orioles. Point of order. Yes. I disagree with your characterization that he mowed down the first three Orioles. No? Because Adam Jones swung at a pitch that was in Nebraska. He Adam was mowed. Again. Was mowed. <laughs> I just, at what point, I've asked this question a lot of times. At what point are we allowed to start actively being angry at Adam Jones? Not now. For refusing. Nope, not now. For refusing. It's a very reasonable conversation to have in the offseason. <laughs> We can't have okay. that conversation right Fair now. <laughs> Not a lot of room for subtlety here. Nope, nope, nope. Alan Adam, and I are both Adam. drinking beers on an empty stomach. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, the pitch before Adam Jones struck out was a grooved fastball right down the middle, which Jones didn't manage to catch up with. That's actually more concerning to me. That's true. I- I'm okay with the low and away every so often, but he's got to get those when G- Guthrie leaves him up there. He does. He does. Um, perhaps to introduce some lightheartedness, uh, before we, we got on the mic here, uh, Jen was telling us uh, about her morning. Um, which I, I think that's probably all the introduction that, that we need to give. Uh, why don't you tell the good people about how your day began? Well, started off like any other day. I woke up in Newfoundland because that's what you do. Um, so I was flying back today, and I was doing a half day at work, and I, uh, I, I took a spontaneous last-minute trip for my birthday weekend, as I do sometimes, as dictated by the universe and the United Airlines mileage specials. Um, I thought you were going to say Arab Emirates, (laughs) but please continue. And it was either Greensboro, North Carolina, or uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, So, yeah, I I feel good about it. Um, So I'd been eating, like, cod and hardtack for three days. And I got up, got to the airport, and I'd been doing a lot of, like, baseball sort of speculating and uh, reading uh, my Sports Illustrated issue that Orioles featured very prominently. And so when I was reading it in an airport bar on the way there, I had torn out an article on Buck Showalter um, to like <laughs> put up in my locker. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And draw a heart around? <laughs> I had no idea. I literally, like, there was an, o- an O's fan next to me at the bar because he asked the game to be put on. Awesome. Um, and I gave him the, the magazine after, and I felt good about it. Um, so I had torn that up, and I'd put it into my passport. And when I went to go through customs <laughs> this morning, I opened my passport booklet, and the thing tumbled to the ground. And... <laughs> 
I was like, I, I don't know what more proof you need that I'm American. Like, I'm carrying around like a cutout of the O's manager in my passport. Um, they were unamused. I still got patted down or taken aside. But the only the only thing I wish was different about that story is that whatever the Canadian equivalent of the TSA is had said. Buck Showalter, but you shouldn't be flying to New York. You should be going to Kansas City. Here, I'll reroute you. <laughs> well, it was Newark, to be fair. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, then they probably were like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Pizza. Downtown. Yeah. Uh, I'm confused by your temporary <laughs> tattoos. I'm a stereotype. Hey. <laughs> that is, as uh, Baltimoreans fans will know, my Yankee fan voice. Um, well... I think uh, another thing that's great about that story is I think you actually explained why the Orioles have lost the first two games of this series, and it's the Sports Illustrated curse. There was an article oh. about him in Sports Illustrated. There's, There's no way. There's a lot of them. There's one on Steve Pierce, though. And I mean, uh, it was really it was like a tongue bath for Steve Pierce, and he's been. Was it written by Michael Clare? <laughs> <laughs> it was written by Steve Pierce's father. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're back. Uh, we'll check in with you after Wei and Chen gives up 40 runs. Say what you just did again. Um, I sauteed a chicken sausage with some peppers and tomatoes and put it in a pasta and brought it over here. And can I use your oven, please? Marshall Crook has joined the fray, ladies and gentlemen. Get down, As JJ get down, Hardy get down, lines get down, one get down, to the right center get down, field gap, get down, get down, that ball yes, down, yes, and yes. the Orioles are going to take their first lead of the series. That's what I like to see. That's yes. what I like to see. So we have, a, we have a direct correlation between the arrival of our fourth guest this evening which is, of course, Mr. Marshall Crook, and the sudden rediscovery of the Orioles' ability to hit the baseball. <laughs> That's fucking right. Marshall, never stop broiling sausages or whatever you just <laughs> said. Also, you can, never, you can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're stuck here. You're stuck here. Marshall Crook enters. J.J. Hardy rediscovers his high-leverage stroke. Back-to-back doubles. All right, Orioles. B-to-B-Ds. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, while we're watching the, the most heartwarming commercial about pet ownership that has been playing on repeat throughout these playoffs, Alan Smith is doing push-ups on my kitchen floor. He's, and he's arting his back in a way that he probably shouldn't. <laughs> are those stress push-ups? Yes. <laughs> have, have those been, have those been uh, something you've been up to throughout the entirety of the playoffs? Well, it's only been stressful for three games, <laughs> and I was at one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. It was a little crowded. Now, uh, a moment ago, before J.J. Hardy's RBI double, you heard Marshall Crook tell you that he has, uh, he's been grilling sausages in his spare time. He's also since revealed uh, that he's also been doing yoga. And uh, for a moment, I hoped that after he said that, Jonathan Scope would hit another double, and that, then I would have a new superstition I never thought I would have, <laughs> which is every time Marshall Crook references a bougie white person thing... <laughs> An Orioles hitter gets its wings, <laughs> which would really be a, a pretty unfortunate. Although, let's be honest: if every time someone in my living room referenced a bougie white person <laughs> thing, the Orioles did well. And oh. <laughs> here's, a, here's a fun game, by the way, uh, Baltimoreans. Yeah, <laughs> I I run a uh, I run a stereotypical ship. <laughs> Um, here, here's another thing that's fun to do for you, you Orioles fans out there. When Jeremy Guthrie's pitching, uh, 
every time he shakes off a sign from the catcher, imagine <laughs> that the catcher just asked him, do you dislike the Backstreet Boys? He's like, no. Do you dislike Justin Timberlake? No. Can you, can you not name every One Direction song? No, that's not true. <laughs> It's it's really it's really hard. It's really hard to have my like to watch this game because I'm already turning on him so dramatically. I'm enjoying it very much. I will I will say uh Alan Smith earlier referred to Jeremy Guthrie as quote a fuckhead. <laughs> true. True. Can I say something that I've been wanting to say on one of our podcasts all year long? Get it off your chest. Why has no broadcaster that I have heard, and especially Gary Thorne, who normally is up to the task for such things, made a Wei-Yin Chen, Wei-Yin side joke? Wow. Wow. That's a lot left on the table. So as Omar Infante wins a 10-pitch battle against uh, Chen here in the bottom of the third inning, um, I'm reminded of what it was like watching a game in Orioles Park at Camden Yards in the ALCS. Yes. And there's a certain confidence that a fan base either has or doesn't have. Right. And my God, Orioles fans are nervous. <laughs> like, you, you, get a, you get a runner on first base and the entire stadium just like... You could feel the nervous energy. You could feel everyone sort of clam up the entire 40,000 sphincters tightening at once. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was a weird, weird experience. And I, I've been to, you know, um, playoff games, important, you know, significant games in places where the fan base expects to win. Mm -hmm. And there, that doesn't happen. You know, something goes a little bit wrong and people are just like, well, that's just going to mean we're going to have more of an opportunity to come back on it. And it's interesting to see, like, Orioles fans don't know how to win yet. Mm -hmm. We'll mm -hmm. get there, but we don't know how to win yet. Do uh, my question in hearing that I it 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 sounds it sounds uh, really excruciating to sit through. It was excruciating to sit through. Do you want Orioles fans to get to a place where they know how to win? Because I my in, in, in my interpretation of Yankees fans uh, and like Dodgers fans, Cardinals fans is that they know how to win a little bit too well. And I, I feel think like they've lost a little perspective. I feel like there's a there there is a confidence in the team that I would like to see go up. Mm -hmm. Like I would like to see, you know, all the Orioles diehards not be like, "Well, this is a terrible team, and it's all going to come crashing down as soon as anything goes a tiny bit wrong." Double play. There it is. Boom. Boom. Suck it, Mustakis. The moose is loose, but he's still a moose. <laughs> oh yeah. Put that moose slow, back in the cage. Angry looking bitch. Um. So, TBS uh, <laughs> <laughs> showing Orioles fans that literally cannot see the stadium yeah. field at all. Um, no, I mean I think I think that there is a certain amount where you can be uh, you can be confident and expect to win while not uh, taking wins for granted. Yeah, and I think there's also something where sort of like. If something goes a little bit wrong, we don't want people to be turning on our boys quite to the level that it felt like they were in this game. Yeah. Jen, are you looking for a trash can? I've hung a, I've hung a, uh, a grocery store bag on the front doorknob. That's, a, that's quite all right. Uh, we've, uh, 
I am recently bachelored here at my apartment, which my guests this evening are discovering has certain strange implications. <laughs> anyway. This um, is all staying in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, one of the things you said, too, about it uh, last night at our, our fateful diner conversation yes. was that um, it seemed like people were sort of quick to turn on each other. Like, um, once, once the chips got low a little bit, People were sort of quick, you know. If someone started to tried to start a cheer, people would be like, Shh, "No, uh, that might I, be wrong. I'm I, confused." Actually, it wasn't people starting who started cheers who got yelled at. It was people who were yelling at the fans who got yelled at. Okay. What I saw is people who were like, uh, "If someone started to snipe at an Orioles player, they would get sniped at by fans." Okay. But I also felt like that was all because no one knew how to act. Mm-hmm. This is all new. But then when something good happened, legitimately good happened, like, you know, O'Day coming in and working out of that bases loaded with one out yep. jam, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, there was a true orgasm of excitement. Yeah. Like, people just lost their shit. Yeah. So it comes and goes. I like that you used the phrase lost their shit in a segment that uh, began with us talking about Titan sphincters. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's all a big biology metaphor here. <laughs> What world are we living in here? Now, I might not mean anything, <laughs> and and who knows what's going to happen the rest of the way. So, Alan, I thought it prudent to pause here right, and just acknowledge the fact that Ryan Flaherty... 9.20 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. October 14th, 2014, Ryan Flaherty draws two consecutive walks. And the second one taking a very close pitch on a 3-2 count. Yeah. Always risky when the madman Joe West is behind the plate. <laughs> the madman <laughs> Joe West. Now... Uh, what we can't do, Alan, what we can't, absolutely can't do, right, is fall into the trap of sitting behind these very same microphones. Yes. In four months, when we're getting ready for spring training, and talk ourselves into Ryan Flaherty, and convincing ourselves that Ryan Flaherty is going to hit twenty home runs when he wins, when he twenty home runs, I'm, I'm with you. When he wins the ALS MVP, <laughs> ALCS MVP. He's going to have to dial it the fuck up over <laughs> well, the last few games. We're going to need someone to do that. That's true. <laughs> it would take an MVP effort. <laughs> it may as well be Ryan Flaherty. <laughs> I'm going to say it for the record. This is the turning point of the entire American League Championship Series right here. Because the Royals have just gotten two little broken bat signal singles on flares to left center field from Lorenzo Cain. And Eric Hosmer, this is the kind of thing that they have been doing the entire postseason, getting on base in incredibly cheap ways on otherwise very good pitches, and then somehow turning those into insurmountable leads. If they do that here, the Orioles are not making the World Series. Wow. Because how do you defend against that? You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. That's... That the golden horseshoe the golden horseshoe phenomenon is real. That is baseball ghost magic. That is some baseball ghost magic. That's the only thing that causes that to happen. And that's not to take anything away from the Royals because they've been able to capitalize on it. And if they capitalize on it here, more power to them. That'll serve them very well. But that's the way that they have gotten this far. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair Do to I say. Do I sound embittered? No, I mean, look, I, th- I think it's fair. I think that like that that they've been getting. You know that as as we've been saying, this or this Royals team to win baseball games needs everything to go right, and right now, those you know, balls in play, their average on balls in play so far is over three. Coming into tonight, it was three seventy five. Yeah, and it's going up. So you know, at some point, 
the problem with baseball fundamentally is that we all look at these numbers over long periods of time and if you know the the, the speech from Bull Durham you know you know one extra one extra dying quail a week one extra you know grounder with eyes is the, the inches between... we need are all around us right exactly so I'm gonna need Billy Butler to ground a double play right the fuck now so I can relax and go back to enjoying this game also, here is a real sentence that I said uh, earlier in the evening, which I may regret. I think we should not re-sign Nelson Cruz and instead trade for one year of Billy Butler next year. Why would you put that on the air, Sam? We were <laughs> going to forgive that whole transgression. We were going to move past that little, that little kerfuffle earlier in the evening. But now you put it on the official record, and now we're all doomed. <laughs> we'll, see what, we'll see what happens here. Uh, if Billy Butler gets a hit uh, before bed, I will be... Uh, uh, searing my back with a leather strap. <laughs> so Sam just declared that if uh, if if after those two babips bullshits flares, Chen didn't collapse, we were gonna win the World Series. Is that right? Did I paraphrase you correctly there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did say. My mouth filled with chicken quesadilla last night. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Don't do what about it now. We'll be fine. That's true. You did say that. So, um, also, I lied earlier. I said I had a, a, a turkey club. I did have a turkey club. I also had a chicken quesadilla. <laughs> I get nervous. I eat. That's what I do. Listen. Listen, I did say that that was a pivotal moment in the 2014 season. I agree. And Wei Yin Chen got out of it. He induced a ground ball. It did Minor tie damage. the game. Minor damage. But then he got a pop-up, and we're good. Wei Yin Chen has, only th- has not even thrown 60 pitches yet. Yep. And Jeremy Guthrie has already thrown, I believe it's 85. Yep. And we're going to the top of the fifth, Smith. No, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm feeling good about it. I would just, you know, I, I, think, I think we're right. I think we're right. Um, but... It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. And here, my lady friend is on the screen. You guys know this commercial. Perfect. But then, erectile dysfunction happens again. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Now, I've never had the pleasure of watching a Major League Baseball game with my four-year-old son. (laughs) But were that to be the position that I'm in, and I happen to know my good friend and... Uh, sister wife podcast member Jake English is doing that this very evening. Good I'd evening, be curi- Jake. I'd be curious to know how you explain away the uh, the the Viagra uh, commercials to the four year old boy. I thought you were going to say I've never had the pleasure of experiencing erectile dysfunction uh, whilst in the throes of passion with a forty year old British cougar. <laughs> <laughs> I but can't say that. You didn't say that. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> what world are we living in in America where we need a feature that allows us to roam from room to room whilst watching television. Are, are we are like what 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 happened in our society where that was something that was desirable? May I agree with you and piggyback on your point? Absolutely. I think it's particularly absurd because that entire system 
of being able to do that is predicated on connected devices and streaming from tablet to television to cable box, which you often can't do because of blackout restrictions. Right. Unless you've subscribed to the traditional television contract model that was never invented to enable the kind of flexibility that they're now trying to advertise. It seems as though the 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 theory of that, like I, I've only ever lived in I've I've lived in a house with either one or zero televisions, and I've never lived in an, a place that's large enough to merit the the sort of situation that they're talking about there. But isn't that like the definition of over conspicuous consumption? <laughs> Like I, I would I would like to be wealthy enough to have extra square footage that I may want to wander into while still watching whatever television program I'm currently watching. Well it's great too because like the idea behind Does having Does it go in the car? Yeah, I'm I'm sure we're we're very close to that. The other thing is That uh, was Nick Hunley's swing, you fucks. <laughs> Context free. <laughs> Sorry. Still no, no, watching, no, don't tell him. Still, don't still tell watching him. baseball here. <laughs> but this is your contractually required Baltimoreans digression into <laughs> the politics of modern media and telecommunications policy. It's true. In the United States. You knew it was going to happen eventually. Anyway. And you knew it wasn't going to be cut. Fuck you, Optimum. No one in New York has enough square footage to do what you're talking about anyway. And even if we did, we wouldn't use your stupid products. So here's the thing. I, I, I do feel like the bounces are not all going the Royals' way this time. Now, despite those two, like, flare balls into the outfield, Escobar just got thrown out trying to advance to second on an on a, on a, um, error by Chen, and Scope backed up perfectly and, and, and threw a dart to get him by three or four feet. Sam, is this the sort of thing... Um, are, are we are we overanalyzing this by saying that these are the sort of momentum things that... No! That, no! No, no, we are not. Okay. No, no peanut gallery. We are not <laughs> overanalyzing. The entire narrative of this postseason is dribs and drabs and sneaking balls inside the line and hitting it just far enough past the pitcher's mound to get a runner on base and then getting a clutch single. That's how this whole postseason has been for Kansas City. Right. If those things are breaking our way now, that's a very good sign. Yep. I would like to add that Flare Balls would be a great nickname for Ryan Flaherty. <laughs> Wow. That's very good. Especially if you're married to him. <laughs> I just I just want you guys to know, I'm looking up live on the air. Uh-huh. Jason Fraser's age. How old is this guy? Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. No, oh, if for he caught fuck's that sake. if he caught that I quit, I quit. No! No! That was a very good catch by Mike Moustakis. Mike Moustakis just Derek Jetered into the fan dugout at Kauffman Stadium. Prince Fielder. God damn it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh my god. That's legitimately the most amazing catch I've ever watched on live television. <laughs> It's a very yeah. good catch. Fuck you, Derek Jeter. It's That's very good better catch. than what That's Derek Jeter did. That's a very good catch. Oh, my, my I don't concern, like to see that. My concern now... I don't like to see that. My concern now is that uh, that's going to put the momentum back in the Kansas City. It's a it's a fickle game, momentum prediction. 
Well, I'm still going to look up J- Jason Fraser's age. Man, that was disappointing. That was extremely disappointing. He is a... 37, which is not as old as I thought he was. Also, what is the Wild West doing behind the plate, man? He's just making things up. It's jazz umpiring, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> jazz umpiring. <laughs> jazz umpiring coming soon to a seventh inning sketch near you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> said, don't worry, the Orioles are not going to lose this game 2-1. to one. I said, can I get that from you in writing? Marshall Crook went into my office, got a Sharpie, and has just written, the Orioles are not going to lose this game 2-1 to one, on the lid of our pizza box. It's, uh, it's, really, it's really difficult to watch a team with the magic luck horseshoe so far up their ass. We just we just got beat by a guy who who shaved the word zoom into his head. God damn it. What are we 15 years old? I uh I this is this is tough. This is tough. I really I want to still believe in this team, but I feel as though well, got it got it offense got to wake up. That's all there is to it. Need need an eighth inning like we had against the Tigers. Yeah. You know you know in boxing, right? In boxing, you never want to go through the same sequence of punches every single time. Because right. otherwise your opponent is going to learn how to counterpunch. Do we think Ned Yost is in danger of being a predictable boxer by going to Herrera for the seventh, <laughs> Davis for the eighth, <laughs> and Holland for the ninth? Well, I mean, no. <laughs> Because uh, those would be his three best that his three best pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, my 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 only hope is that the Orioles remember at some point that they have the best offense in you know the at playoffs least right the now. Postseason teams among the current playoff teams, yeah. and they start playing like that because mm-hmm. this is unbelievably frustrating to watch. So you don't think the boxing corollary that I just made up is going to come into play? Well, I. I <laughs> I do you think, think we're going to have to default to our actual strengths as a team. I do think that at some point, getting to see um, the same guys enough takes away a little bit of what's terrifying about relievers, because mm-hmm. I think you can adjust to their shit. And we did score a um, run off Holland in game uh, one, right? Yes, but we scored that run when they're up three, and he was definitively playing to get outs, not to prevent runs from scoring. Yeah, he was just thinking about his newborn baby daughter and not really uh, putting too much thought into the pitches he was throwing. Exactly. How come that didn't work for Chris Davis? Or Zach Britton. <laughs> These are questions we won't be able to find the answers to tonight. Except for we're going we're gonna to have to get some, um, some magic. Some magic would be good in the seventh inning. Please. Do okay, not go Smith. gently into that good night. Read the whole thing. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage! Rage against the dying of the light. This is the first time Dylan Thomas has ever been read over the backdrop of a Viagra commercial. <laughs> that cannot be true. <laughs> I don't know what happened in Brooklyn in the 80s, but that can't be true. <laughs> I don't know, man. This or is, in Bushwick tonight, this let's is, be honest. This is grim. This is grim. Well, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what can be... Uh, 
what can be said about this predicament that hasn't already been said about the Vietnam War. There's <laughs> nothing that can be said about your coat that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan. Uh, oh, boy. Well, uh, if you're going to pick three batters from this Orioles season who you would want to put the fate of the season in their hands. Matt Wieters, Chris Davis, and Manny Machado. <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it seems very unlikely that anyone will want to listen to this episode. On the bright side, we get to see the ugly Rob Lowe commercial for the 90th time. Seriously, though, it's like the opposite of the Clinchmas episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's game three... The one that like probably sinks the season. No one's gonna want to relive any of that depressing game. Is anybody is anybody out there still? Are are you still listening? Like, have you listened almost to the show certainly not all the way right through to this point? I mean, we could say anything right now. Right, right. We could say anything right now. Um, I'll I'll, I'll just go ahead and say uh, Tino Martinez is my favorite baseball player of all time. <laughs> uh, my name is actually Theodore Johnson. <laughs> The most terrifying image I can imagine is Keith Olbermann doing the play-by-play of a baseball game with George W. Bush as color commentator. <laughs> Hat tip, Julia Famularo. Um, I, I mean, what are we gonna do, right? We're gonna be we're gonna be right back here four o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, you know, telling ourselves <laughs> the same horseshit stories we've been telling ourselves. <laughs> I think I think that that there are moments in sports where you uh, where things click, and I think that the Royals are just like they're just doing exactly how much they have to do to win games. Yeah, and that seems to be the theme of the thing. And I don't know how you come back against the sort of the the right now their bullpen is doing what our bullpen did for the last like. You know, four weeks of the regular season. You're trying to fight against the tide of myst- like mysticism here. Mysticism is a tough force. It can't be done. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say something uh, that that I have been wrestling with personally. Um, I actually think like I I sort of made my peace with this season when we swept the Tigers in the ALDS. Really? I I felt like it's a lot to ask for to get to the World Series. We did win a playoff series, which we hadn't done. Uh, since you know 1997 and um, I think there's there's something about it for me where I was like I'm good I'm good like no matter what next year we go into it having been uh, at minimum the fourth best team in baseball in 2014 with a lot of really great things to look forward to and there's not you know you can you can say yeah but you didn't win the World Series that's okay the odds were never on us to win the World Series, and we played most of the season at a disadvantage. Next year, we're not going to be doing that. And I don't know if that's because I'm trying to like protect myself from actual emotion. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what it is. <laughs> but uh, like, I, it's also because like I don't know what the emotional height of reaching and winning a World Series is. I've never felt that before. Right. And so in a way, I'm a little afraid of it because I'm afraid of how disappointing it can be. So I feel like I'm doing this sort of pre-World Series self-reconciliation with my feelings where I try to uh, uh, get to a place where there's no way that I can truly feel the sink 
that is going to happen if we lose again tomorrow. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think for me, like, n- now I can get there because I think that a 3-0 series is essentially elimination. But I also, I don't know how to, like, I, I, I actually did think, not that they would win the World Series, but they'd make it there. But this was the, their year to make it there. I have to say, I felt like uh, when, when the Royals uh, came out of that series against the Angels and won the clinching game at home. Yeah. I, I had the distinct feeling like, yes, the game where we clinched the division was extremely cathartic and felt like it was a turning point like for the entire city of Baltimore. And then it felt like it wasn't our turn anymore. It felt like it was their huh. turn now. Huh. And I, I, don't, I just remember having that distinct thought like, yes, this was really amazing for us, but it's actually maybe a little bit more amazing cosmically for... Royals fans because we already got our little taste in 2012. Nope, 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 nope. I'm just I want trying a World to. Series. I'm trying to suss out the logic of the of the universe here, and <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to fail. I but. feel you. I feel you. Well, it doesn't matter because literally no one is listening. <laughs> they they didn't download this podcast. They didn't even turn it on because no one wanted to relive that game. <laughs> you, you know, uh, I just always loved Jay Buhner. <laughs> If I were to play Major League Baseball, my walk-up music would be Michael Bolton. <laughs> Goodbye, home run! Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com. <laughs>